Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is Kian Subani. I am not going to be featured on this podcast at all because Om and Yash do a terrific job of breaking down Real Madrid Femenino's big 2-0 win over Atletico on Wednesday. That would that happened like about two hours before our game. So there was uh, little time for, for Om to record both podcasts. So we, he stayed on this one, but... I did want to bring to your attention that if you're looking for the PSG second leg post game show, that's over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. We did a Zoom call last night. There was a record attendance of people who joined and we posted the video exclusively for patrons and we posted the audio exclusively for patrons if you if you missed the call. And we've also posted a, a few video clips here and there on YouTube for free if you're interested in that as well. But uh, that was a big night a big celebration, and an amazing podcast. So thank you all for joining. And again, that's over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And then we got Friday mailbag coming up. It's shifted to Friday instead of Thursday this week because Lucas can't record today. That is the mailbag. And the mailbag is always amazing, but this week, because it's following up that PSG game, it's going to be absolutely epic. And that's only for patrons as well. So uh, enjoy today's show. We look forward to seeing you in D.C. I know Om will be there. I will be there. Gabe Lesro will be there. So if you're in Washington, D.C., if you haven't booked your ticket yet, there's still one or two days left. You can do that before Saturday's podcast in uh, in D.C., DuPont Circle. And we look forward to seeing you there and enjoy today's Las Blancas show. Let's go and hala Madrid. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And... Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host, Omar Vind, and this time I'm not joined by Grant Little. I'm joined instead by Yash Thakur. You and I are on basically barely any sleep, I think. How are you doing, my man? Yeah, I mean, still the adrenaline is still high. It was a crazy night of football. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still mind-boggling to think about the results we had last night. Yeah, and I'm happy to be back, actually. So yeah, looking forward to it. To say that was a crazy night of football might be the biggest understatement we've ever had on this podcast. But to be fair, I don't know how exactly it could be put into words, right? Because obviously what we're going to talk about is El Darby Madrileño, Real Madrid Feminino's 2-0 victory over Atletico Madrid. Really important because it's a derby, but also because we closed the gap to them in third place by four points now with two games in hand in our favor. So obviously this is massive for, for the season, right? Had we lost this, it wouldn't have been over, over, but it would have been a huge blow to, to our, our hopes for, for a comeback to qualify for the Champions League spot. So already huge stakes coming in. And the way the game unfolds, I don't know if like I've honestly ever seen anything like that. And I don't think it's hyperbole. And we'll get into it. And anyone who watched the game, which is going to be most people who are listening to this podcast, I suppose, already kind of knows what we're talking about. So there's that. And then with no break whatsoever, we go directly into PSG. And everyone knows what happened there. <laughs> and Matt and Kian and Eduardo have you guys covered. They did the Lime Zoom podcast, which is 
up separately because we're recording this at almost midnight Eastern Standard Time, my time. The game itself, we had the usual lineup squad bullshit not telling us anything until like 20 minutes before the match. But when the lineup did come out, I, I mean, I'm interested in what you have to, to say about it, Yash, but it seemed kind of surprising to a lot of people. So the one like absence that made sense was Cardona because I've heard that she has a quadriceps injury and is going to be out for the rest of the month. I hope that's exaggerated news, but it's just kind of been how our season has gone and that just sucks a lot. But I haven't heard anything about any other players, right? Those who were on the bench, based on what we know, can be assumed to be fit. So the starting 11 was Misa and goal, Sveva left back, Rocio, Bob's center back pairing, Lucia right back, Claudia Zornoza, Kasi double pivot, Carolina Muller-Hansen, Ateneda Castillo on the wings. Nayakari Garcia, Esther Gonzalez up top. Missing some key players, I think it's fair to say, right? I think immediately what stands out is Ivana Andres was not in that lineup. Maite Rose was on the bench. Kenti Robles was on the bench. And Aslani was on the bench. Those are the four big names, right? What did you think about going with that lineup in a match like this, where this is arguably our most important match of the season, which that leads to another discussion that we'll, we'll I'll get to. But what do you think about this lineup? When I first saw the lineup, the initial feeling was of annoyance, to be very honest. Like, I, I could not understand the thinking behind the lineup. I get it. Like, we have, a, we have a Champions League game coming up. We have a very crucial month coming up. So, there, the need to rotate. But rotating it in a league fixture where we are actually chasing the crop and, like, looking to make uh, the UWCL spot that we are not yet in, it seemed like uh, very counterintuitive to me because your you, th- this game is against not just one of your uh, cross-city rivals, but also one of your direct competitors for the spot. So we definitely needed to win this. So when, when I saw uh, the lineup and I saw uh, Lucia being thrown into, into the fire against, you know, uh, Atleti's, uh, left-hand side of Barbara Latore and Panini. I, I thought, okay, now this is just setting her up for problems uh, later in the game. Then we had a different centre-back pairing. The, Ivana wasn't there, who has been ever-present there, who has been the leader, who is the captain of the team. She wasn't there. Then the front two pairing was of Naikari and Esther. Like, all sorts of experiment that you want to do, uh, you don't want to do in a game like this, were done. Like Maite, you need her in the, in the midfield to control, uh, to have any sort of control in the game, which we'll later talk about that we never had in the game. She wasn't there as well. You need a front, you need somebody like Aslani in the front too, who can play make and, you know, do stuff uh, up front. She wasn't there. Like it, it, it didn't make sense to me. It was uh, honestly, I was a little annoyed before the game started. And I mean, given how the first half and the game, went overall i don't think the choices were like right either despite the result of the game so yeah i mean that was that that was my initial thought when i saw the lineup yeah so i don't really have much to add in terms of the specific points because i think it's spot on because it's all pretty straightforward right it's not like we were the only two thinking this a lot of people were confused by the lineup we saw 
So in terms of like the broader reasoning, coming into this game, like a lot of praise for Toril about all the rotations he'd been making. And while like the specificities of certain lineups I was unsure about, this idea of rotating is good to me given all the injuries we've had, which it seemed like Toril was like really cautious about, especially with the way he's managed someone like Aslani. It makes sense. On top of that, coming into a month as crazy as, as the one we have in March. But I thought we were rotating four games like this so that when we face Atletico Madrid, right, a classic six-pointer to where this is, this is the team we need to knock out, right? Because Real Sociedad, even if they have a slump in the second half of the season, they're, they're probably in, right? They're probably, they're probably going to make it. Atleti is the team we have to target. And obviously Barca is going to win the league in just a couple games time. They're the ones like, so if this is not where we put our strongest possible 11, I mean, there's the possibility that Peril thinks the 11 we put out was our strongest possible 11, but that would, that would be pretty damning. So like, I don't think it's fair to assume that if he's putting out this 11 versus this opponent in this game, this means in his mind, this is not the most important game of the season. And this is what I don't understand, right? Because initially I'm thinking Champions League games and all of that. But our Champions League game versus Barca is March 22nd. That's way down the line, right? That's weeks down the line. We do have an upcoming match with Barca on Sunday, but that's in the league. And why would that match be more important versus the one than the one versus Atleti, right? Like the Atleti one is the one we can win. I don't know whether losing 1-0 to Barcelona gave us a sort of arrogance to actually believe that we can come in and, and beat Barca. Again, this is, this is going to be a match away from home as well. I don't know what's happening there, right? I, I mean, there's the Copa de la Reina quarterfinal right after that, but that just, that just makes it seem like you should rotate versus Barca, right? And play your two really strong 11s versus Atleti Levante. After Levante, there's Granadilla, and then we have Barca in the Champions League. And if this is all preparation for Barca in the Champions League, Maybe that logic is even worse because there's no way we're winning this competition. And obviously we want to go there with a lot of pride and we want a good image, which is something we really seem to care about at this stage in Real Madrid Femino's development. But when you get down to the to 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 really like the basics of it, the most fundamental short-term goal for Real Madrid Feminino is continuing to be in the Champions League which is only going to happen by being in the top three in the league. So this is the only, the fact that like we maybe consider some of these classicals more important is the only reason I can think about the lineup we saw today. It's not like a ridiculous lineup. There are good players out on the field, but there were four like key players that I would consider undisputed in this formation, in this type of game that were just left out. And clearly based on, always talked about and used them previously, sees them as pretty important. So whatever the reason was, this is the lineup he's gone with. And like you said, I don't think the result vindicates this. And this is one of those rare times where I don't think a single Madridista is going to, well, maybe I'm underestimating some Madridistas, but I really find it hard for, to believe that a single Madridista is unironically going to say, we played well because the amazing thing about this is we got crushed we got utterly destroyed and somehow came out with the clean sheet like in certain stretches of this match 
it looked like we were playing Barcelona, the extent to which we were being dominated. It wasn't through all 90 minutes because Atleti struggled to create clear-cut chances initially, but that was the extent to which we were outmatched in this game and we really should have lost. There's just it's, it's so simple. There's no, no special analysis needed. I mean, we will get into the analysis because Atleti were doing interesting things, but literally anyone who watched the game will, will know that it's like basically a miracle we came out of this. But those are also fun ones to win. And this, this is going to be an iconic derby for, for years to come. So we'll also cover that angle of that. But anyway, opening minutes of the match, I think Atleti announced their intent with Sheila Garcia getting a shot off inside the first minute, driving inside, which was kind of a problem for us all game. What did you think about Atleti opening, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, what they were doing? offensively defensively and and how they were troubling us because it was an extremely intense start to the game and it looked like we couldn't breathe yeah i mean uh like i said uh having a clean sheet at the end of the game was like the most surprising thing uh in football that i've experienced recently uh given how the game played out so atleti obviously uh started out in a in their typical 4-4-2 now minayo was injured at left back last game and uh uh, Dana Castellanos also took a red card uh, late in the game, late in the previous game. So she wasn't available and Manaya wasn't available. So they had to play. They actually didn't have to, but they played Maitane at central defense, which uh, speaks a lot about their other center back options. So uh, the way they started the game, it was clear that they are going to come at us and they are going to come at us repeatedly after wave after wave after wave. Uh, the main area that they tried to attack us was the was their right hand side, our left hand side, uh, the uh, the side where Sophie Savava was playing. So the rotations on the right, with Sheila Garcia attacking, going up front constantly, with Amanda San Pedro coming inside, the rotations on the right hand side were truly were truly devastating. And uh, what what that did was like Amanda San Pedro started out uh, wide uh, on the right hand side. So what what Amanda San Pedro was doing. Was she was either pulling inside or she was dropping deep. That allowed uh, initially Shela Garcia wasn't uh, pushing as much, but whenever Amanda San Pedro cleared the room for her, she was pushing up. Or uh, it was Ajibade up front who made the run into the channels, and that those runs into the channel, and they we could we didn't have an answer to that. She was constantly making it. She was constantly succeeding at them. And uh, I don't know how nothing came of it, but like it was, it was a clear game plan uh, with with the rotations on the right hand side. Uh, on the left hand side, it was a different story with Banini starting on the left, uh, and Latore obviously uh, like starting up front, but she was constantly drifting out wide, and Banini was coming inside as the nominal, uh, you know, attacking midfielder. So I mean, uh, that was the case. Latore uh, is obviously a great. One v one player, so like she was constantly taking on Lucia Banini. Also, is one of one of the smoothest uh, players on the ball. So like she was initially giving a hard time to uh, Lucia as well. Lucia committed a couple of fouls initially, so it 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 looked like the the way they were playing that a goal is inevitable. Initially, uh, the game was played at a frantic pace, like for the five minutes, but then it it slowly became clear that Atleti are the ones that are going to dominate this with the way they were playing and we clearly had no answers because we were only 
looking to whenever we won the ball uh, either at the back or in the midfield all we were doing was going long and going long with esther the one doing the playmaking duties up front it was usually naikari who was the target and like uh, she her, her hold up play isn't that great so we were essentially losing all the second balls in there and athleti were fine with that like athleti were uh, okay with us uh, with marking our options initially from the build up and forcing us to go long because they knew that they would win the second balls uh, up front and that was a problem like if if that was the plan i am not sure like you could have tried uh, with moler up front because with that you have the height advantage you have the hold up ability that you need when you are trying to play that direct brand of football uh, when you are aiming to play that direct brand of football but i mean that is what we went with and it was honestly the right hand side uh, of athleti was the one that caused us trouble literally the entire game like without without a second of breather like they were constantly rotating ajibade was constantly making those runs into the channels it was it was a nightmare basically that we somehow survived yeah so a ton you said there i think it's really interesting that sort of building off what we were saying about all these dynamics in atleti's attack the contrast between how atleti deploy their 442 in offense compared to us you and i have discussed not on this podcast but on twitter but we we've talked about it grand and i have talked about it on the podcast how tactically there's not that much different we've seen so far from Toril's tenure versus Aznar which is not that surprising to me as i see more of his ideas but also like it's still not been that much time right like i would expect to see if there was going to be something different something tangible starting around this point but i think it's fair to say that preseason tends to be the time like a coach will truly stamp their ideas and you could maybe argue if you want to be charitable that Toril just has a basic plan carrying us to that point in time regardless of however you feel about that it's pretty clear to me that there there aren't that many changes except for the fact that we're even wider than we used to be with our wingers i mentioned this many many times but it was especially visible in this match contrasted to how athleti were deploying their wide players and frankly i think you could really see like how 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 much better it was from a tactical perspective offensively how much more options it gave them and so many more ways to manipulate the defense because when you do it the way we do with two players on the touchline the fullbacks and the wingers it pushes our fullbacks deeper and they have to affect phases of the game more through kind of their passing distribution and stuff like that which maybe i don't know you could say is okay for lucia but i think fundamentally with all the fullbacks we have olga's a good deep progressive passer but really all of them are about getting forward and affecting the forward phases of the game i mean i think sveva's decent on the ball but it's not like she's lucy bronze as like a, a progressive passer right like these are all attacking fullbacks who want to get forward on the overlap and while osnar always played with fairly wide wingers the with with Jakobsen out on the left and Cardona who has a natural tendency to come inside between the lines it was more like an inverted winger type thing and maybe it was always wider than i wanted it to be and, and the positioning wasn't all that great but there was a little bit more dynamism there with Toril it's become a lot more rigid when i asked Buller about it she like confirmed that that was the case right so in case you needed 
<laughs> a more credible source to tell you that if it's not obvious enough on the pitch. And what that does is like it, it just like drastically limits the amount of angles through which we can progress. More balanced spatial occupation will have, usually is not going to have like two players in the same line on the touch line where that's kind of the easiest player for a defense to press you. Like the reason you might do this is to completely stretch the width of the pitch. This is what Manchester United's men's team did in the 1990s onwards, right? Like with Ryan Giggs and David Beckham. That was the point of that was to completely stretch the width of the pitch and at the pace at which they played the game then, right? And the way teams defended, they were able to like switch the ball from side to side really quickly, put in tons of crosses. But what we've learned since then tactically, which is why Sir Alex Ferguson eventually changed that to, and partly personnel-wise, but he changed it to like these inside forwards who were interchanging all the time in narrow positions with Ronaldo Rooney Tevez, as we realized you only need one player out on the touchline to hold with and stretch a defense, right? It's redundant to keep out two, what would be essentially four players there when you can use them to offer in different areas. Whether Toril goes and changes this later on, I don't know, but it's like a very old school look that like adds like very monotonous like style to our buildup where the only central outlet is going to be the number 10 or the four dropping out. So Esther, right? And that's it. Otherwise, we're just building in this U-shape out wide, playing a pass down the touchline, which Pep Guardiola is famous for saying is the most inefficient pass in football, which is not exactly correct, but it's it's not a very like valuable pass statistically and not considered to be that valuable on, on a tactical theoretical level. And so it's just kind of stale. And I think we've seen that in some games already this season, you contrast that to Atleti, which I don't have to go as much detail into because you were describing it well, Yash, but Amanda San Pedro is already one of those wide players who tends to invert a little bit. And then you have Bonini on the other side, like who is basically an attacking midfielder from wide areas. You have two players who are going to occupy and move in from the half spaces way more, which creates all these nice short angles and triangles for, for Athleti to progress down the wings. Obviously, it's different looks on both sides because of the personnel there. And then like launches the fullback forward. Like the reason Sheila Garcia was able to, to, to get up there and attack so often is because there's a clear understanding of how she was going to interchange with San Pedro's movement with the understanding that she would move away from the touchline and it would be way more fluid. And so Shayla was going on the underlap, going outside, taking people off the dribble. And it was just all clicking for Atleti in a really, like, really impressive way, the pace of play. And it just seemed really well designed, especially on the right side, as you mentioned, to attack a back four. basically. At a certain point, it was rinse, repeat, pulls Feva forward. Ajibali makes the run into the channel, and we're praying something doesn't come of it. The one flaw, at least in my opinion, was that Latore was too obsessed with staying wide, and she wasn't an active, active enough off ball to attack the box when, when Ajibali made those runs into the channel, which is probably why we were able to get away with those crosses not going anywhere. But ultimately, on the balance of play, like really until 20, 29 minutes in, we had created basically nothing. And Atletico Madrid, while not having created many clear-cut chances by that point, had so much pressure, not just in the final third, but right outside and inside our box. Like from a non-shot threat perspective, 
which, you know, Yash, you're aware of all those metrics. We can imagine that Atleti would look pretty impressive over that stretch of time. There was a moment where I, I, I don't know how you feel, but Ajibali went down in the 18th minute hoping for a penalty call. It seemed kind of like a non-call to me. That's how the commentators felt, but I didn't get amazing looks at, a look at it. But yeah, like that, that was what we were facing, right? Like we were put in those situations where had a defender been half a second late, it's a penalty and we're in big trouble. And then defensively, as you mentioned, high press, player to player all over the pitch, Atleti confident they can win the second ball, which they did most of the time. And so we were just facing wave after wave of attack without being able to get out of our own pitch. Now we end up scoring like a goal seemingly out of nowhere. But before we get to that, and we were already kind of hinting at this, what would you have done differently, whether that be with the person on the pitch or with a different lineup to deal with what Atletico Madrid were doing better? And that could be on the defensive offensive end. What have you like? Yeah, in terms of what I would have done different is uh, to have Moller up front and one of the, you know, like Cardona isn't available. Like she would be the ideal choice for me because she usually comes inside. Uh, so that would have been an option. And plus, uh, we have to we have to address that Atleti were playing with Van Dongen on on as the left back and uh, Laya and Maitane as the center back. So like we had to exploit that somehow. We didn't do that because uh, Maitane isn't a natural center back. So like we we needed to like somehow exploit that, but we largely didn't. Uh, and I think that was a bit, uh, you know, a bit disappointing for me because uh, that was a clear, clear flaw or a clear weakness in their game that we should have been like more aware of, but we didn't really do that. So what I would have done is like tried to mirror what Atleti did, you know, with without having the wingers stick out wide. We have the fullbacks who, who like to provide us width. So like width isn't uh, ever a problem for us. Like with the sort of players that we have, we will always have width somehow. Like we have, if we play, if you play Olga, if you play Savava, if you play Kenti, if you play Lucia, it doesn't matter. The fullbacks will offer us width. Like that is, that is the baseline of this. Uh, we will always have wit somehow. You don't need your wingers to also be providing you that. Like you need your wingers to be attacking, maybe to be attacking those channels for us or to be uh, coming inside and offering an option uh, in between the lines or in the half spaces. Like you need that from, from your wingers. And since our plan in this game seemed to be, seemed to go a lot direct, uh, I, I don't have the numbers with me, but if, if we could look at the aerial duels of, of Naikari in the game, I don't think she won even one of, one of her aerial duels, which to be fair, like she, she is at a clear disadvantage coming up against uh, players like Laya and uh, Maitane, who, who have the clear height advantage over her. So, so it wasn't right to expect her to win those aerial duels when we were going long. But if, if the plan was to do that, uh, maybe put in uh, Moller uh, uh, in Moller as in the front too, and have somebody like uh, I know like Maite's number on a right wing experiment in the last game didn't go that well, but you know somebody Esther did well um, when in the second half after she was put there when Maite was substituted in the previous game. So like you know if 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 we were that desperate to play all three, you know Moller and uh, Naikari could have been the front two and you know shift Esther. To the right. I know Esther won't stick there. Esther would completely float, and she always 
has a tendency to go towards the ball but like if you have to do it with the personal you, personal you had on the pitch i think that could have been tried but i don't know how how successful it would have been because uh, what the way i'm thinking is if if we are going long you have an outlet in uh, moler then who can win the aerial duels and drop it for somebody like uh, somebody from the midfield like zoranosa or kasi or even if if naikari is is even further down than moler so she can pick up the second ball and then we can have somebody like ester uh, making the run in behind so like these three could have worked more dynamically but instead we shoved moler completely towards uh, offering the width and to be fair the second goal came that way but like just speaking about how the game went this could have maybe helped i don't know like th- this is how i sh- i would have i think this concept of ester false right winger Muller playing in the front line with Naikari as the the forward dropping off Athena on the left. And by the way, throughout the game, Athena Muller were swapping wings all the time. That didn't really seem to have much of an effect that I could really point out. But I that was a tactical pattern that happened. So I guess worth pointing out. But in terms of your idea here, I think it's pretty sound in the sense that like Esther is going to be Esther, but it's not like you can't give her instructions, right? So if we're if, if if the idea is, all right, we're going in with this midfield. Our idea is not to control the game, and we're going to play direct. Then Muller is the main target player, and Esther needs to support underneath, and she will be an auxiliary receiver. Like sometimes you might decide to play wide to her because Esther is Esther. She will even provide overloads in the midfield sometimes. If all right, we're, we're tired of going long. We want to play through a little bit. And Naikari will balance against that as being someone who can who can occupy more of the defense. And then Athene has the far side option to switch switch to that. That that's kind of fundamentally sound for that type of strategy, and would offer a lot more to help us win second balls in front of a double pivot than what we had, which was literally just Esther and Naikari battling on their own with no support from anyone else because the wingers were so wide. If you wanted to play direct, I think that's a good way to do it. I'm a guy that always likes control. I'm always pushing for for better Woso teams to lean into that style more. You and I were having this conversation in the DMs. But more importantly, I think we have the players to do it, right? And I think with Kasi, we really make this mistake. Osnar did it over and over again to the point where like she played every single game last season or something crazy like like stat like that. When we see a tough game where we're like, oh man, this is going to be fast and physical, we make the decision and say, instead of trying to assert control over that dynamic, we're going to play into it and say, we need someone who can deal with the chaos. And so we see Kasi as as, as the, the midfielder most suited to being able to deal with the chaos. And when it comes to like 50-50 duels, she is probably the best central midfielder on the team. The issue is is that the net value of trying to win the, the chaos like rarely ever works out for us in our favor. Like All it tends to do is lead to a ton of applied pressure to us. And to me, defensively, there's maybe a lot of things we could have done with shape, but ultimately with, with the lineup we had out there, I don't know if there's anything that could have been done that wasn't that drastic and potentially like creating other problems. Like, I don't know, switch to a back five or something to deal with runs in the channels. Like that might be way too much. Right. But within the shape we had, it just looked like Atleti had solved this a little bit. And what we needed to do was put our foot on the ball 
and just gain some relief from Atletico Madrid attacking us again and again, find controlled progressions up the pitch, be able to set up our rest defense, counter-press them higher up, and just be able to retain the ball in the, in, in the other half. A pretty classic way of trying to control a game in possession. The issue is, is you need the midfield to be able to do that. So really, the lineup I would have gone with would be Maite and Tede in midfield. So the, the thing with the Zornoza-Kasi double pivot is like, it feels complimentary because you think they're covering up each other's weaknesses, but what you just have is two players who have weaknesses on one end or the other, whereas Maite and Tede are our two most complete midfielders. Atleti were brilliant on the right-hand side, but a solid part of why we were getting killed down that side is Zornoza is super, super weak at tracking runners. I think she's actually okay at defending things that are in front of her, but overall, she's by far our weakest central midfielder. And then on the other side, you have Kasi doing just a generally good job defensively, but also being a pretty big liability playing through pressure and not being amazingly useful in build-up, right? With Maite and Tede, you have two players who are maybe not quite as robust defensively as Kasi, but honestly pretty damn good defensively. Like Maite is excellent positionally. She's always buttoned up. She's aware. She has a solid tackle. She racks up interceptions. And then Tede is ridiculously aggressive. Like it, just because she's a technical midfielder, people like are like, oh, she, she might be even more aggressive than Kasi with the way she goes into tackles. Like sometimes it might even be too dangerous. Like she's a legit ball winner, even though ultimately if we're looking forward in the future, we might want someone else, right? Like we might, we might, we might want a classic defensive midfielder or Sandy Toletti, who both you and I think really highly of. But for this specific game with the options we have, you can create a really solid defensive pivot Within, within the context that they help you control the ball way more, right? So if you, you're able to even the possession stakes, you're not defending as much, Maite and Tere is more than adequate, in my opinion, and you're not really losing that much. And I think this, we've seen evidence of this in so many games where like this idea that Kasi gives us more stability in these games is not necessarily true. I mean, this is not to say there's never any uses for her, but weirdly enough, it tends to be in games we actually control and we're pressing because that's when she really stands out. When you're sitting off, you need people to be able to release pressure. And Zornoza was the only one on top of the fact that she's weak defensively. So that would be my starting point. And then there's, there's all sorts of dynamics with what we're doing in possession. Like I would play the wingers narrow and all of that, but it really starts from there, right? With the idea being... We need to play the ball on the ground and we need to find a way to work our way through Atleti's pressure. And it starts with some of the personnel selection and the lineup we put out there, like it just wasn't possible to do that. We were, we were going to be playing direct. We tried to play on the ground a couple of times. We were never able to retain possession and I think we paid for it. So I said before the podcast, let's be brief. Let's not rant too much, but that's, that's out the window for both you and I. We're at the 30th minute and we score like basically randomly. And it's a misplaced pass out from the back. I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was Sheila Garcia. It might've been San Pedro actually. And because it was her, she goes and presses up while Sheila is trying to recover. Like it's, you know, a weird, like Atleti, we're trying to reorganize the shape, terrible pass. We filter it out to Athenea and the entire left-hand side of the pitch is just a runway for her towards goal. 
literally no one around her puts a cross in and then Muller makes an excellent run from the blind side from the right wing and somehow contorts this header on target, looping it into the back of the net. And just like that, it's 1-0. I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add to that goal, any, any kind of things you want to point out? Yeah, uh, I mean, that goal was completely random, obviously. But, uh, you know, uh, the way who won the ball in the midfield for the pass to uh, Savava first and then Savava played it to Athenea, it was Kasi. So, like, uh, although I, I understand, like, Kasi isn't the best option there, but, like, this is where she makes herself of use uh, a lot of times, like, out of possession, winning the ball, providing the ground coverage. She isn't the best in possession, like that is not a secret. But yeah, like she was doing the, these bits of winning possession back and then, you know, just just circulating it. Uh, the, she, was, she was decent, I feel like. I, I mean, obviously it could have been better with Maite and Tere, but like, yeah, that is what I wanted to point out. It was like Kasi who won the ball back in the midfield and then uh, pushed it to Savava who played uh, Atenea out wide and then the cross and Moller's excellent run from the wide wide area from a blindside run and honestly at first when I saw the header I, I wasn't sure how it went in because I, I was def- I was sh- sure that Lola has stopped it like I, I could not believe when, when the ball went in and we were celebrating I was like what how, how did she not stop that <laughs> because but yeah it, it is what it is <laughs> at the end of the day 1-0 Real Madrid and the we were ahead. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's completely fair to point out that Kasi is the one who makes the interception. I will say, like, the pass was like basically like right to her. It wasn't even like on target. It just kind of filtered into the run she was making. But she was the the, the important thing is like she was alert to it. It was really more to do with her positioning, which personally, again, like I think is replicable replicable by other players. But this was an important contribution she made. I guess the question would be like cost benefit. Kasi, like being able to spark a counterattack with some random interception, how much more likely is she, is she to do that compared to Maite Tere versus like a complete inability to control the game and getting hammered for 30 minutes? I mean, there's still other tactical things to add in. Like, one thing I was feeling was like, how much better would it be with them in? Like, we would, we would still have, it's like we've seen in the past, like, us getting pressed to oblivion with better options in midfield might take deep and stuff like that. So my point is that like it, it has to start with personnel though, but yes, Kasi was undeniably involved in this play makes the interception, Seva plays it forward. And it's as, as it went. And, and to be fair, I didn't think Kasi was bad in this game. Like for her standards, I think it was solid, like generally doing okay on the ball. It's just that, we needed a lot more than solid in this game, in my opinion. So that's the goal. And this is when Atletico Madrid actually started to create chances. And Misa started being called into action. And we have to, we'll have to talk about her later. And it, it got to the point where like they were creating so much that, and I don't know why the ref did this because there were stoppages, but she added no time whatsoever after, after 45 minutes were up. And like, Atleti's players were furious, obviously because they wanted to get that equalizer back before going into the tunnel, but because like they were on a roll and that like kind of cut their momentum in the bit, uh, cut their momentum a bit. We come out of the tunnel, 
Are you surprised that Toril makes no changes or is this kind of what you expect given that, I mean, everything just seems really results oriented with this club? Yeah, I mean, obviously everything is a bit result oriented at uh, Real Madrid, even the fan reactions and stuff. Uh, but uh, to be fair, like I, most of the times I think coaches don't make that changes uh, during halftime because it's like admitting you made a mistake in the first place and a lot of uh, managers aren't ready to accept that, that what they put out wasn't the best or wasn't the right uh, fit for the game so i wasn't really surprised to see no changes because that is how i think a lot of managers go about um, their decision making which isn't right but like i i think that is how they work so yeah, I wasn't really surprised to see uh, any no changes during the halftime. Yeah, I was not surprised either, but I was super frustrated because I get that he's just not going to take the central midfielders off. Like this is just a thing, right? Like it's it's a complete philosophical difference. And his mind and Osnar's mind, and probably in Irene's mind, assistant coach, like Kasi has to play these games. Okay, whatever. But to not do anything with the front line in the way that you kind of described, like there were options there. Muller, the only the only value that she was providing, which wasn't surprising, was her off-ball movement, what she was able to do in the box. And like really, I think, and she might disagree at in, in the current moment based on how she sees her game and based on what she told me. But from my view, like her most valuable assets are what she can do off-ball in central areas. And given that you can't control the game at all, that you don't bring Muller inwards, even if you're inverting her from out wide, that was a bit strange to me. But basically, we go in the exact same tactics, right? I, I guess if you're 1-0 up, you can argue, even if it's a really poor argument, that it's working. But we do have a tiny bit more offensive success early on. Another horrible giveaway from Atleti. And Naikari has this like completely scuffed back heel in the box. And... and that was like, okay, I, I guess a good sign early in the second half. And then in the 53rd minute, we have a transition moment. And if Kasi had her moment on the first goal, Zornoza has her moment here, playing a really nice switch pass out wide to Muller. And this is what I'm talking about with Muller's movement, because even though it's out wide, when she plays the one-two with Lucia, she's making a run into the channel that allows her to get free, rate awareness pulls the cutback for Esther who just smashes the ball into the back of the net. And at like this point, like I literally just cannot believe that we're two nil up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was again, completely against the run of the play. And now this is where the game state comes into play. Like you start the second half, you immediately score within the first 10 minutes. You obviously have the opponents now scrambling to, uh, you know, get get level to you. So now this is where game state played a part. And it, it wasn't like after this Atleti were suddenly more chaotic or anything like that. They they still kept pushing. And to be honest, like they should have scored at least once after whatever ensued from minute 55 to the final whistle. Like I have no idea how how they have not scored there. But uh, yeah, I mean, that is the thing. And, you know, uh, about speaking about Moller, like the run into the channel for the second goal, that is what we should have exploited because uh, Laya is not that great defensively or when defending space. So we should have t- 
targeted her and moller was the perfect one to make those runs or even like esther would have been good in making those runs but we had esther doing the playmaking duties and moller out wide so uh, that was also a lost opportunity to uh, you know make a better use of uh, what what we had in the 11 on the what we what 11 we had on the field so i mean it's all it's all said and done now but yeah that could have been a better option like we could have actually targeted laya uh, in defending that space and you know making those runs because laya uh, really struggles when it comes to defending the space in behind her or like uh, with those runs into the channel so we should have at least tried to you know target that i think it's notable that this movement came in transition when things are just kind of happening organically and players just have to react on the fly as opposed to a sequence in settled possession where we're like doing what that Letty were were doing to our left hand side which is trying to open up the space between full back center back attack the channel which just basically never happened aside from this one play but, but that's football like this game will never happen again but it did happen like it, it is possible for it to happen once so you mentioned game state which definitely plays a factor but even given that i do not think we were at all comfortable with the amount of chances we we conceded because at this point it just gets crazy and there is no point in trying to talk about all of them you guys might as well go back and watch the game because then th- th- that's not like i know we get into a lot on this podcast but if we start going like minute by minute like then then it, then it gets a bit unwieldy some of the bigger ones though and by the way do you think it was a handball the penalty that we conceded in the 63rd minute i don't even know if you got a good look at it cuz to be fair the broadcast wasn't amazing yeah i mean i i wasn't really sure given the view on that one but i don't know <laughs> i don't know what what to make of it to be very honest anyway it is given as a penalty and like you can say i'm lying now because i didn't tweet it out so there's no proof but i just knew it wasn't going in like the way the game had gone the fact that misa at this point had already started making some really big saves i just knew it wasn't going in but regardless Atletico Madrid should expect to convert this this spot kick. San Pedro steps up and it wasn't a perfect penalty, but holy shit, that was a damn good save from Misa. Like that was her peak moment right there and there was the fist pump right after she secured the ball. That was the moment where we knew like that's it. It doesn't matter what Atleti do, they might even get one back, but they're just not winning this. Like it's it's just not happening for whatever reason today. So there was that chance and then in case the 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 preordained result by the footballing gods was not clear enough 4 minutes later I kid you not there was a tapping I forget which player it was there was a literal tapping that I have no idea how Lucio Rodriguez clears off the line it might be the most insane goal line clearance I've ever seen that was like It's not possible for XG to be over 1, but that was like a 2.6 XG chance in one shot. I have no idea how that did not go in. And at this point, I was just like I'm not taking notes anymore. Like it it is what it is and this is how the game is going to be. Do you remember which which lady player that was? Yeah, it was Lacy Santos in the box. like i i i completely lost it at that point like i was like okay now this isn't happening atleti can try all they want 
they can have the open they have the open goal they can have three players in the box they can have four players in the box but it just isn't going in like the, these are the sort of games or moments where where you just uh, put up your hands and you go like yeah shit happens like you you cannot explain what whatever happened after 65th minute like it was it was just chaos it was literally just chaos psychologically i don't know how you deal with this like genuinely what do you say as a coach like obviously the the process oriented perspective is to be like we played really well and if we do it a million times we'll win which is true does that actually like console players who are the ones that have to go out and like execute the process i mean part of the execution is the process but ultimately like when you have like 30 bajillion chances you need to put it away and it's going to weigh on you i i think it's really interesting to see how atleti react to this in matches going forward but it's kind of nice to think that already we have a match over them that like mentally scars them like i th- this is what i'm saying when like yeah this was a completely trash performance let's i don't think you and i are making bones about that but we will kind of look fondly back on this one like if not already but like after the season and be like remember that time where we just stole it from atleti and like they're probably these players are going to like remember this one for the rest of their lives because of the amount like the, the crazy misses that existed so yeah that's that that's like the like the positive type of narrative moments to take away from this because i think that's mostly what the positives of this are besides obviously the three points and we'll talk about what what we can how we can use this game practically moving forward because i i do think there are actually like really productive ways to to use this match but toril finally starts making some changes in the 74th minute and i think at this point he's just doing this for rotations it's not because he he feels there actually needs to be a change in in what's being done i, th- I think at this point he's like yeah it's it is what it is we're so deep now atleti are just attacking us attacking us let's just get some new players on the field so lucia comes off for kenty Muller comes off for Maite and then this is the 74th minute and then the 82nd and 83rd minutes consecutively Aslani and and Claudio Florentino replace Naikari and Rossio and nothing like changed at all like Atleti continued to pour forward we got even deeper if that was possible and then in like somehow in the chaos of all of this like Zornoza gets sent off cuz I was writing the immediate reaction like i just did you catch that like what the hell was going on there yeah i i did not uh, see what happened with zornosa there like why she was sent off or whatever happened because there was literally a lot happening side of penalty box to keep up with like you you just you get done with one chance and they are back again <laughs> attacking you so it was it was really chaotic but yeah she got sent off obviously and then yeah basically nothing changed even after the substitutions so yeah i mean uh, and one thing i would like to add like we we haven't been uh, real madrid for that long or we haven't had a women's team for that long but we already have a couple of great derby memories at least even with tacon when we faced like madrid cff although it wasn't that big of a derby it was still a derby we won we came back from 2-0 down to win 3 3-2 then uh, then last season when we were down a player then sofia scores it was also away so we have we have some good memories already like it's it's building into something special and when we look back in a couple of years time like this is going to be like yeah we will speak very fondly of this so yeah 
Yeah, and it's away from home as well, which somehow just always feels sweeter. What we cannot forget to mention is that Atletico Madrid had the ball in the back of the net, and then it got ruled out. <laughs> like for just half a second, I thought they had done it. They were going to make it interesting. And then instantly the whistle goes. And I think it was ruled out for offside. And it's just like every athletic player at that point, like almost just didn't even react. Cause they're like, of course, like, of course it's not going to go in. That's just how it is. Like they were basically broken at that point. And to make it even funnier, 30 seconds later, like Esther gets a point blank header that she almost converts goalkeeper does well. Lola, when she honestly did pretty poorly on, on both of our goals, but she does really well there and Aslani can't tip it in. So I think that was basically the last relevant action of the game. There is genuinely so much we've missed in terms of like specific sequences, shots and stuff. As I said, we cannot really cover it on this podcast, but if you have the time, and I don't know where exactly a replay will be put up because this was not on Real Madrid TV. It was, I can't remember where it was, but it was put on some like local Madrid TV channel where the stream was honestly kind of bad. Like I don't want to shit on them, but it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest in the world. Um, but I assume someone will like will have ripped it off there and we'll put it on YouTube. And Grant still hasn't watched the match because he was working all day. Oh my God, he missed the day. But I'm, I'll, I'll send the match to him at that point. I, I might just like post it on Twitter so all of you can see because if you miss this one, you got to watch it. I mean, you know the result, so it's not going to suck as much to have to sit through like facing all these attacks because you know we're going to stop all of it. So yeah, like I, if this is the only time I will urge you guys to watch a match in which we just got completely battered because it's, it's just that remarkable the way things turned out and the build up to some of these moments, like when Misa made the save, like they're automatically just iconic right now. Like we all love Misa, but like at that moment, my, my love for her just like tripled. I was like, just absolute legend status already at this point for the penalty save she made. Big, bigger picture stuff on the game, like maybe key players and stuff like that. I know, Yash, you're going to do an article. Maybe you can get a little head start here, a little sneak peek in, into, into some of the people you'd be picking, though I think it's fairly obvious. And then like looking forward and what we can take from this game. So Misa, we're already talked about. I don't know how much more I have to say about her. Like I will add some of her sweeper keeping actions later in the game. Got really good as well and prevented some one versus ones, particularly on, on the left-hand side for Atleti. Bob's deserves a massive mention here. Like Ivana, this is, this is who I forgot to mention when I, when I was talking about the midfield and all the, all in, in, in aiding control, if you don't have Ivana on the pitch, you can't have control either. But Bob's who was playing right center backs box defense is the best I've ever seen from her in a Madrid shirt. It was utterly spectacular. Just every single cross, every single dribble, she was always there. And that's her best attribute as a center back. It, would, it just elevated to another day. Like So in a sense, if we were going to play a style where we were just completely pinned into our own box, Bob's is like the perfect defender because this is what she excels at as a center back, right? She's not particularly insane covering space, although I wouldn't say it's a weakness. Distribution is definitely a weakness for her. What she's great at is covering the locks. And she was so, so good today. 
Misa was the most important. And then after that, Bob's, if she did not play the way she did, we would have lost this game 100%. So huge credit to her. And then the other player who, who we have to mention, we already talked about Muller because of how she was involved in the two goals. And I really do think it's noteworthy that what she provided on those goals was off-ball movement. And she is very smart at making runs. And if we really want to understand how to use her and make her a useful part of this team, I think you need to take advantage of her runs into the box, whether that be diagonal movements to get onto the end of shots, runs into channels, or deep runs from midfield into the box. These are all things she provides at a pretty high level. But more importantly, have the greatest goal differential value out of any of the other things she does. So that's what I have to say about the players. I mean, Yach, you don't have to say anything about them if you feel like it's just going to cover your article, but is there maybe anyone else you kind of wanted to touch on? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously a massive, massive shout out to Babs. Like that was simply sensational how she was uh, in the right place at the right time to block every shot, to block every to block crosses to different crosses like it was it was crazy obviously i'm gonna cover it in in a piece later on uh obviously molar as well these three were the clear standouts um in terms of in terms of anyone else um i'm not sure i thought um i don't know like n- nobody really apart from that stood out there were moments like Kasi had had a moment in, on the first goal. Zornosa had a moment on the second goal, but not really overall. Nobody really impacted the game as much as these three, in my opinion. Uh, not even Athenia. Athenia, uh, Sheila Garcia kept a lid on her very well. I, I felt like she had a great game, Sheila Garcia. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was just these three that really had an impact on the proceedings for us. Yeah, I agree with that. In terms of other impressive players, like just quickly highlight some athletic players, just because one thing we like to do on this podcast is help everyone expand their knowledge of women's football, mainly because for Grant and I, we're still learning so much. Shayla Garcia, I've seen a decent amount of athletic at this point because I was so intrigued on the way Maitane has been used. And turns out she's just being used like as this stopgap everywhere to fill in with athletic's deficiencies. But what intrigued me in the first place, you and I discussed this, Yash, is she's playing like way more box to box. And there was one specific match where she was like almost playing as a number 10. So like completely different than the Maitani we're used to, but that's been the season for her. And so in the process of that, I've also got to see Shayla Garcia playing like three different positions in a single game, which is notable to me because that doesn't happen often. And then combined with the performance she put out right back today, I think it's fair to say she's probably one of the most underrated players in the league, given what she can provide from you offensively from a fullback position, the fact that she has immense versatility and can essentially play in all four wide positions. Like this is an extremely valuable player to have in your squad. And she was very, very good for us versus us today. I consistently think the likes of Ajibade are are overlooked in Primera Bedrola. I mean, I don't have the greatest grasp of everyone's views, but I just don't see Ajibade talked about a lot, and I think she's just a very, very solid, sharp player with a pretty complete game. She showed some decent hold-up play today, but the, the best thing about her are, are her runs in behind and the way she carries the ball and her, her explosiveness and stuff like that. So those two really impressed me, and 
there are players to keep an eye on who I think people don't really talk about enough. Talk about enough. We can talk about like how Bonini was also good, Latore was also good, but these are players who generally tend to be highlighted more. So, I mean, just real quick, do you do you agree with my assessment that like the likes of Sheila and Ajibabe could be considered underrated? I know you have kind of a better sense of of what more people think. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, Sheila Garcia, especially like she was uh, extremely crucial for Rayo Vallecano in the last five years before she joined uh, Atletico Madrid. Like she was uh, basically a, a talisman there. So yeah, I mean, when when that move was announced, uh, I was pretty uh, happy for her because like she she deserves to be uh, in the limelight. She deserves to be uh, playing at a very high level, and she showed that like recently with the call up to the Spanish national team. As well, uh, in in the Arnold Clark club, her, her performances were great, and she provides versatility as well. So, like, what what more do you need? Like, she can offer you uh, an attacking option. She can fill in at fullback as well for you. Like, you can't ask for more. And uh, Ajibade, yeah, like her performance uh, last night was really solid. She she is a good player. She can make those runs uh, into the channel, like we saw. Like that is one of her key strengths. Her hold up play is also decent. So yeah, I mean these two players. Obviously, I mean a lot of people talk about Maetane as well in the Spanish circle, but like she, I felt like I feel like she is not talked about enough as one of the uh, best midfielders around in the league. So yeah, I mean she she's she is a great great player. Another player that I would like that didn't play a part, but uh, uh, is as a part of Atleti squad, and I feel like. She could be a solution to their problems a lot of times when because they have struggled to score a lot. Uh, it, it's Kagatlana. Like I don't know why. Yes, she she's so good. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean I don't know why she isn't seen as as the solution. You know, maybe if not up front, just put her out wide on the left where she is like deadly. She can cut in and score. Like at least use her more is my gripe with them. Like, come on, you have this solid player, an excellent player who can basically score on uh, and create chances on her own. Like she doesn't need support. She doesn't need anything. Like she just give her the ball out wide. She will dribble past the player. She will carry the ball into the box, cut in and score. Like she, she can do that. So if you are having problems like with finishing, like I think you should give her a look. So yeah, I think uh, that's a player that needs to be used more by Atleti. I think a few Atleti fans will agree as well. I don't know. But yeah, she is the one I, I would like to shout out. She only came in for Latore in the 79th minute. And if I'm looking at, I mean, it, I might be wrong because these are really small, but like Google has like player icons for the players when it shows their substitutions. And I'm just seeing this now, but good job, Google. You have Alexia Puteas' icon for Barbara Latore. So excellent work. You also had Kasi positioned at left back and Sveva in defensive midfield when the lineups came out, which to be fair, happens for men's teams too, but this is a new one. I've not seen Alexia's icon be attributed to, to Latore. Anyway, yeah, Katlana comes on for Latore 79th minute, which is a bit too late for me because at that point, I think, Latore had kind of exhausted her usefulness. But if I'm remembering correctly, Gatlana versus Real Sociedad recently, I hope I'm remembering correctly, like she was incredible. And all the things you talked about, but she's also like a pretty strong off-ball playmaker as well. So those are some underrated players for you guys to to look at at if you have the time outside of Real Madrid Feminino football. 
In terms of moving forward, just real quick, I mean, we've already broken down the match. I think the the value you take from this is like you don't feel bad or some kind of guilt from getting lucky. It happens all the time, maybe not to, to this extent, but it happens all the time in football, right? What you don't do is just ignore it and be like, we can go in and do the same thing again. You take advantage of the fact that you got lucky to be able to change your approach without having faced any consequences. And I really do think we need to consider going into games versus upper tier sides like this, how we're approaching matches. Are we just going to use the lineup that we use today, right? And play as conservative and allow ourselves to get pinned in as we do. Or are we going to like, if, if we're accepting that, is there ways for us to escape from that better and play a better type of direct style of play, even if that might not be my plan A? I do think what Yash was talking about is very viable. Like that, that is a good second ball direct strategy. And it's something I was also thinking as well. Like I'm not completely against it, but when you do it, it has to be done very well, right? Because you're playing into the hands of variants more and everyone knows I hate variants. So I think we, we need to take lessons from this and really think about how we're approaching things and also reassess some of our priorities about what's important to us and what's not, and who can start in what game and, and who, who, who can't. So yeah, that, that's what I take from this game. That's how I view this. No need to feel bad about winning a Madrid derby. Like, I'm completely happy to be lucky in every single game. The, the point with luck is you're not going to be lucky every single game because it's luck. You don't know when it will come. We want to do things to determine our own future. We already kind of did looking forward stuff at the beginning of the podcast, but Barcelona is on Sunday. So we will see how Toril deals with the lineup. And if he ends up playing Kenti, Maite, Aslani, and Ivana, I think that answers our question as to why he lined up the way he did versus Atleti. Yash, any concluding thoughts about the match, about what's ahead of us? Yeah, well, what lies ahead of us is even bigger test and like an even tougher test with Barcelona. I don't know, like even if we play our best 11 and we play our best football, that might not be enough on the day because Barcelona are just, you know, in another stratosphere right now that I don't know, like even even the previous game that we lost just one nil, it it the scoreline was uh, like flattering us our performance. Like we it could have easily been, it would have easily been four or five nil because I remember seeing the xG on that game and it was around like four xG. Instead had that I I don't remember. I I think I that that's what I remember. But it, it was crazy. Like if if we are going by if you are judging by the scoreline, that wasn't really. <laughs> a uh, great great parameter but yeah i mean the good thing about this is we now have the momentum behind us so like even if we lose to barcelona i hope that momentum pushes us forward to win against levante or and win against granadilla which which are in my opinion the more important games for us given how we are still like in the hunt to get into those top 3 places so yeah i mean keep this good thing going don't really think the performance today should be re- replicated anytime soon. But yeah, I hope that this momentum carries us through and we, we don't make the same mistakes. Like it, it's okay to get it wrong once, but if you get it wrong twice, then it, it, you're making a choice. So I hope 
uh, we make better decisions the lineup is better and we try some new stuff uh, at least some different stuff because uh, at this point like we haven't really seen that much different from toril to like say that he is a great manager what he is good at like he has brought the squad together i'll give him that like we have a great atmosphere i feel like the players are uh, happy playing like after Muller scored, she went straight to the bench to celebrate and stuff. So, I mean, the spirits are good. And that is what will help us push through this month, a very tough month. And yeah, I mean, all we can do is hope now. We can we can talk all about everything. We will break down games coming coming forth as well. But yeah, it's, it's a crucial month for us and looking forward to it, basically. Yeah, I will say that this should give us a level of belief and confidence we haven't had all season. I mean, we've had like a crisis of identity throughout the entire season, and that can mean a lot of different things. But in many games, we kind of walked into them really uncertain of whether we would win matches that we were clearly the superior side in. And I could be missing some, but I don't think we actually, up until this one, had managed to get a win where I wouldn't say where we weren't playing well, because there are certainly games we won where I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we were putting in like a 10-10 performance, but where we were like, we were really under the cosh and we were really suffering. I think we just ended up losing those matches. Those are some matches we won last season. And you just need to pick some of those out if you want to qualify for the Champions League. Again, you do not, it's not like you do not want to repeat that. It's not something to be proud of if you have multiple of those, because then it gets dangerous. But I think it is good post facto that we have this feeling now that we our backs were against the wall the entire time and we come out with this huge victory and this sense that like, okay, things are really going for us now. And that if we just are able to kind of stick together, anything can happen, which we all know belief is a very powerful thing in sports and especially football. And hopefully this mindset shift becomes like really apparent going into games like Levante Gana again, because I want us to enter every single non-Barcelona game with the attitude that this is a win for us stepping on the pitch, because that's what it's going to take to work ourselves back in the Champions League position. So that's it from us. I don't know how long this was exactly, but I assume it was a bit over an hour. Not too bad when, when both Yash and I are on the podcast. Neither of us are at Grant Little, who knows when to stop talking. But um, Yash, as always, man, thanks for doing this with me. I know you're like doing this in between work or whatever after you just woke up. It's 1 a.m. my time. So time to call it quits. And Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. <laughs>